Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. So, so we're in a series uh, called Journey to the Cross, and uh, sometimes I do things that make uh, my team incredibly nervous um, <laughs> as they giggle. Um, this is one of those Sundays uh, where uh, I make um, portions of our leadership team uh, a little, a little unnerved, a little uh, shaken, a little set back, a little concerned, a little. Uh, you didn't. Yeah, the setup for this is amazing, isn't it? And uh, so we're 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 in a series called Journey to the Cross, and basically what we decided we were going to do is we were going to start um, at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, and we were going to walk all the way up through Easter Sunday. Uh, where we talked about the death, burial, and resurrection about Jesus. Pretty amazing, right? Like, like uh, This is supposed to be a Sunday morning where I talk about the crucifixion of Jesus um, and go into great detail, and uh, I'm not going to. Uh, matter of fact, what I'm going to teach this morning has nothing to do with the journey to the cross. We're going to leave the graphics up because that's what the team prepared. <laughs> We're going to take it a step further, and uh, because I changed my message uh, this morning... Um, uh, we're not even going to put the scriptures up on screen because there's 50 of them. Woo, let's get excited. Yeah, or scared because you're thinking. Uh, but what we are going to do real quick, do we put that graphic up uh, for uh, the YouVersion Bible app? Uh, if you want to scan that real quick, if, if, having, if reading along with me is important, you need this app on your phone. Um, and if reading along with me is not important, you need this app on your phone because reading along with the Lord is very important. Uh, one of my favorite things about the YouVersion Bible app is it reads to me because I hate to read. Uh, I've got a saying here that says, if you don't read, you can't lead. But I read about four books a month. Uh, I get really tired of reading. I listen to a ton of books. Um, I listen to them at one and a quarter speed because I don't have time to waste at your people talking to me at a normal speed. <laughs> I got stuff to do for Jesus. If you can say it, unless if you're from way up north, I can understand it. There are a few people from up north, I'm like, you want to slow down because our accents aren't jiving. Other than that, I'm down with it, right? Like, let's just talk fast. Talk. Uh, it's like this. I've had people get, in, uh, get mad at me because I will get up and leave a meeting. If, if it's not profitable, I'm done. Like, I'm like, I'm out. I've, I've uninvited people to meetings because I'm like, dude, I'm wasting your time. And I don't wait. Time is the one thing I can't. I can always make more money. I can always, I can always uh, uh, get more things. Uh, time's the one commodity that is precious to me. So um, uh, the other thing that we teach is there are 52 Sundays in a year. Once one's done, it's written into the annals of history. I refuse to waste a Sunday. We don't, we don't, have, we don't have mulligan Sundays. We don't have, let's just, uh, I call it mailing one in. We just don't mail things in. I think we have to be very strategic about what we say. And so... Um, just being very honest, uh, yesterday I was in the shower. That's where most of the time the Lord speaks to me the most. Uh, it's probably because it's the one time when I shut up. <laughs> gives, him, gives him a chance to get something in uh, in rhythm. And so I was, uh, my wife was, we've got a, kind of a separated shower and vanity area. And my wife was in putting her makeup on and we were running late as usual. and um, Just all the, you know, Saturday morning stuff. And I looked in and, and there was this season in my life when I went through, um, uh, just a really dark season. And um, and I really struggled with forgiveness and I struggled with, with the why in it. 
And then in that, the Lord just revealed this, this, this thing to me. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. It doesn't matter because it was my thing. But it started this train of thought going in my mind. And I looked at Tracy and she's like, God, you got to teach that. And I'm like, yeah. So what I'm going to do, and I told her when I was going to teach it in the future. We're going to teach it this morning on about four hours notice. And so I got up early and just spent some time with the Lord. And here we go. So if you have your Bibles, you need to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to teach something that's super familiar. 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you don't have it, uh, raise your hand. We'll put you version back up on the screen. You can you can click it, download it, and you can have it in, in about 30 seconds. Uh, but 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17, I'm going to go one uh, through about 50, I think. Um, but we're going to go quick. And I'm going to admit, actually, it's like 54. Um, so I'm going to omit some stuff. There's a bunch of things in here I'm going to mispronounce because I can't, I can't pronounce some things in English. I'm not going to try to pronounce them in Hebrew. Um, I'm going to give you some sounds and make them sound like I know what I'm talking about. Reality, I don't know what I'm saying. If it's wrong and you're a Hebrew scholar, shut up. Uh, nobody cares. Um, nobody cares if I mispronounce a name or a location. You don't know where it's at on the map anyway. Can we get a witness? Okay, so here we go. I am a public school kid from North Carolina, so here we go. Um, look, look, we are 49th in education. Our education slogan is thank God for West Virginia, right? Like, let's just, here we go. Okay. So, so, so 1 Samuel chapter 1, it said, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. Uh, verse 2, it says, And Saul gathered the men of Israel, and they were gathered. Now I'm skipping some stuff. In verse 3, it says, And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. Here's the reality. Uh, you've got the Philistines and the Israelites are on two separate mountains, and they're getting ready to go to battle. Now, if you're not familiar with, with uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is the story of David and Goliath. But here's the thing. Goliath is still shepherd and sheep at this time. See, sometimes a battle is brewing and you don't even realize that it's about to come your way. See, sometimes, have you ever gone to work Monday and you thought, what the world happened over the weekend? Because I left on Friday and everything was good, but I showed up Monday and everything sucks. I went to the grocery store and she was in a good mood. I come back and she's pissed off. I went, can we just, can we like, sometimes something's brewing and you don't even know it's brewing and, and, and you didn't ask for it. You didn't even do anything to deserve it. And somehow you're about to find, find yourself thrust in the middle of a battle you don't have anything to do with. Verse 4, it says, there came out of the... Let me go back to that for a second. See, sometimes... Sometimes you don't pick the fight. Have you ever just had to go toe to toe with somebody and and you like you just, all you were doing was pumping? I never will forget one time I knew this I knew this lady and she was in an abusive relationship and her and her boyfriend got in a fight and he grabbed her by the neck and stuck her up on a car and out of nowhere this dude comes out of a restaurant like I'm about to whoop your woo hoo 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 because see that dude didn't go to the restaurant looking for a fight he went there looking for a burger. But sometimes a battle's brewing that you don't have anything to do with. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in conflict that you didn't do anything with, but now you've got to be in the fight. 
Verse 4, it says, And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, which is about nine, uh, nine foot two. And he had a helmet of bronze and his, uh, on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was about 5,000 shekels of bronze. I didn't have time to look it up. I'm just guessing it's heavy because he's like nine foot two. It's like bigger than Shaq. You know what I'm saying? Like, and Shaq's a big dude. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin and bronze slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Don't have any idea. Just guessing it's big. And the spear's head weighed about 600 shekels of iron. Um, again, just guessing it's big. And his shield bearer went before him. And he stood and he shouted at the ranks of, of Israel. Here's the reality. I don't know what half of that means. Translated, this dude was big, bad, and scary. Because here's the thing. Most of the fights that we find ourselves in seem bigger than what we are. They seem bigger than what we can handle. And we have a tendency to want to focus on how big the enemy is. What you're going to find out is that in just a minute, it's going to tell you how afraid Israel is of them. Because here's the thing, anytime you get ready to go into a fight, and I don't care how, how cool you are, uh, how, how small the enemy is, fights always hurt. I've never been in a fight that didn't hurt. I mean, unless if you're fighting like children. <laughs> Even the weakest man in a fight is going to land a shot or two. See, what we think is this. We want to go through life with no fights and no bruises. Sometimes the best thing you can do is go through a fight. The way that you're going to learn how to stand in battle is to go into a fight. Anybody remember, and I'm going to talk to the guys because I've never been a girl. Anybody remember your first fist fight? And you knew it was coming because dudes are stupid. We square off. Now, my daddy taught me this. Other people's daddies taught them. Man, if they start it, you finish it. My dad did say that a couple of times. But then I, I, I was four foot eleven in the ninth grade. Yeah, I got beat up by Girl Scouts selling cookies. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, and so finally my dad looked at me and said, son, if you know you're getting in a fight, just pop them, pop them right in the nose, make it bleed. They may kill you, but they, you know, at least you got a chance to run and they're bleeding. You can say you won. Like, you know, lying is anyway. So but I'm gonna say this, I never will forget my first fist fight. And I was scared to death. And then I got popped. And I was so mad it didn't hurt that bad. And I lit into him. And it was on. I can't even tell you who went. We tussled. But after then, I was like, it's not that bad. Like, the fear of running is far worse than the fear of fighting. No, 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 no. See, some of y'all been running from your giant so long just because you're afraid of getting hit. Just because you're afraid of what the, what the winning could look like. Just because you're afraid of what the battle could look like. Instead, you choose to run rather than fight. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Once you begin to lead a coward's life, you can never stop leading a coward's life. Because once running becomes part of your DNA, it'll take an act of Congress to get you to stand and fight. Here's what I learned. That sometimes even in the battles I lost, it was enough for my enemy not to want to fight again. See, sometimes you just have to be willing to go into the fray and the fight to figure out that you have victory beyond what you think you can accomplish. So anyway, here we go. So, uh, so they talk about how big he is. And he says, why have you come uh, out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul or God? 
Um, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, then he, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants. Because see, here's the thing. Anything that you don't fight, you'll serve. Anything that you give victory over your life, you'll become a slave to. And he goes on and he says this, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Because here's the thing, most of the time we're far more afraid of a fight than we are being in a fight. And see, so what you're going to have to figure out today is, 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 you know, because here's the thing, I don't, I can't tell you the last time we just changed a message like this. But I'll say this, somebody, somebody here's in a fight, or a fight's brewing, and you need to figure out whether or not you're going to get in the fray. And he goes on and he says this in verse 12. And he said, now, the, now David was the son of Jesse. And Jesse had eight sons. And in the days of Saul, the man was already old and in advanced years. That, that just seems mean. But um, <laughs> hey, your pop's old. So anyway, the three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul into battle. And the names of his three sons who went to battle was so-and-so. Verse 14, and David, the youngest son, uh, the three eldest followed Saul. But verse 15, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his brothers, uh, to feed his brother, to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days, Philistines came forward and took his stand every morning and every evening. For forty days, Saul comes down and he he calls out to these guys. See, I love sitcom problems. I love problems that are solved in thirty minutes. <laughs> Well, part of what I do as a pastor, no, I don't mean this funny. Part of what I do is, as a pastor and as, as, as an organizational leader is I just make decisions. People call me all the time. Hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? How do we handle? What do you think? What do you think? And so, I don't care. Figure it out. Yes, no, right, right, right. That's it's just part of what I do as an organizational leader, right? But then there are these problems that are deeper than that. People call me and I'm like, hey, give me a minute to pray about that. Man, I don't know. Let's... That's big. So what do you do when you have a problem that's not a sitcom problem? What do you do when you have a, a 40-day problem? Or maybe you're an Israelite in captivity and you've got a 400-year problem. What do you do when your problem can't be solved quickly? Verse 17. And Jesse said to David, his son... Take your brothers uh, of this fart's grain and these ten loaves and carry quickly to the camp of your brothers and take these ten cheeses to the commander of their, their thousands and see your brothers are well and take some token from them. Verse 19, And so, uh, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley fighting the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left his sheep with a keeper and took provisions and went as Jesse commanded. And I want you to pay attention to something. This is part of this is part of Jesse's ability. I mean, uh, David's ability to be everything that God called him to be. And this is more for my leaders than anybody else. David got a new assignment, but made sure his old assignment was covered before he left. Scripture says this. It says, and before he went on to his new mission, he made sure that somebody was there to watch the sheep. Because even though David was on a mission, he had to make sure that the sheep that God had already given him were covered for. So if you ever want God to advance you, you've got to be willing to cover where you're already at. So anyway, so um, 
love that, man. That's actually better than that. Anyway, uh, and he came to the encampment that was host out for battle uh, on the battle line, uh, shouting the war cry. And the Israelites, verse 21, the Philistines drew up for battle, uh, army against army. And David left the things in the charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked to him, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of Philistine and spoke the same words as before David. Verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. Have you seen this man who comes up? Surely he's come to defy Israel. Here's the thing. Notice that David went up to the ranks and then all the people saw Goliath and they took off running. Well, I guarantee you what happens is they're going to tell David to be as afraid of what they're afraid of. Because here's the thing. Whenever you go into a battle, people are going to tell you how you should think and feel. Even good people. You got to remember, all these are people from Israel. They're God's people. Sometimes God people give bad advice. Here's the thing. There's a difference between biblical advice and good advice. Around here we say this, we don't use good ideas, we use God ideas. Because let me tell you something, my favorite thing is people coming up going, Pastor, i got a good idea. And my first question is, is it a good idea or a God idea? They're not the same thing. Good ideas will have us doing everything in Burlington. God ideas will have us reach the people in a community. Well, here's the question. In your battle, are you getting good ideas from people or are you getting God ideas? They're not the same thing. Well, you know how I think you should handle this. I don't care how you think I should handle this. I don't answer to you. Here's the thing. A lot of people want to make God their Savior, but not their Lord. It's not the same thing. In the Bible, it talks about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God being my Savior saves me from hell. God being the Lord of my life tells me how to live while I'm here. So let me ask you this question. When it comes to your problem, do you want God to be your Savior or your Lord? Well, for me, I choose to have a Savior and a Lord. It's not an either or question. It's an and question. So here's the thing. Everybody runs away and looks at David and goes, hey, you should run away from your problems. Anybody? So we have a Jeep uh, Wrangler. It's my wife. She got it for her 50th birthday. She loves it. But the, if you ever owned a Jeep, here's, here's the other thing you're automatically going to get for free. A check engine light. Any Jeep owners, just you buy a Jeep, buy brand new off the lot, and they give you this thing that says, don't worry about the check engine light. It's so bad that, that most Jeep Wrangler owners just put a piece of black electrical tape so they don't have to see it anymore. And the only time they deal with it is before they get their car inspected. And all God's people said... Amen. That's how we handle it. Because generally it's a sensor of some kind and if you replace it, just another one's going to go bad. If you own anything other than a Jeep and you get a check engine light, you should probably go get it looked at because problems don't get better. <laughs> All my mechanics said. Amen. Right? So here's the reality. Here's the reality. Problems tend, unless it's a Jeep Wrangler, not to get better with time. So by running from, from Goliath, meant that the problem was never going to get better than it was. Well, let me ask you a question. Today, if you're running from the same problem that you know that God's called you to deal with, could you be running from it just because you feel like it's bigger than what you are? And that maybe what God wants you to do is stand and fight rather than flee. I love this. 
the end of that verse said, and David heard him. Then it goes on and it says, um, all those folks took off and fleed. And then we're going to pick back up in verse 25 and it says, and the, and, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. Uh, well, let me back up. Verse 24, it says, and all the men, when they saw him, uh, saw the man, fled from him because they were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who comes up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give them his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by them, what shall be done to the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach from Israel? So in other words, these guys say, hey man, look, anybody that kills Goliath is going to get like, basically he's, he's going to get all the riches of the kingdom. He's going to get to marry the king's daughter. He's going to instantly become somebody. And David said, what you say again? Because you've got to remember, David was anointed king of, of Israel by the prophet, right? But he was so cool that his dad brought all the other kids up front and said, hey, pick one of these guys. And they said, no, it's none of these guys. And he said, well, do you have another son? He said, well, we got David, but David's like a worshiper. David wore skinny jeans before skinny jeans were cool. Like David's out there playing a piccolo while he's, I don't know that, but like I'm just saying, he's not the coolest of the sons, right? So here's, I see David being scrawny. I see him looking more like Steven Tyler than The Rock. Both great men, right? Both very talented men, hardly interchangeable, <laughs> right? And David's sitting there and he goes, he goes hey, so, so what does this guy get again? And they, they, they go on and they, they're like, hey, so what this guy's going to get, he's going to get all the riches and, and he's going to get to marry the princess and, and basically this dream life. Because here's what I believe. I believe that your dream life is, is one fight away. See, some people live in hell when God gave them the keys to heaven. You're one fight away from being free. Because isn't that what he said? He said, and the man who conquers Goliath will be free in Israel, the promised land of God. And so he sits there and he says, uh, what shall be done for the man that kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him the same way. So it shall be done to the man that kills him. Here's the thing. Your problem is also your promise. Your problem is also your promise. See, sometimes you've got to be willing to leave what you know in order to have what you're promised. Which means you're going to have to fight to get free. But once you're free, you're going to find a promise that you never really thought was possible. When David left, all he was doing was grubhubbing. Anybody ever heard the story? I forget the Christian music artist, but he was a paramedic. And so he's, he's in there and he tends to this lady who's having a heart attack. And when she ends up making a full recovery and she comes back and says, look, I'm a lady who's rich. I want to know what's in your heart. And he said, well, you know, I've always wanted to be a Christian music artist, but I just don't have the money to cut a demo. And she said, what do you think it would cut a, take to cut a demo? He said, a good demo in Nashville is about $10,000. She said, well, come by my house. I'll write you a check. Well, we got some paramedics in here who are going to be a lot nicer to their patients. Hey, how much, how much money do you have? No, I'm just kidding. Huh. I have a Lambo in my future. That's what I've always wanted. So anyway, so my, my point is, is this, is that sometimes you're one problem. Now, now think about this. If you're that lady, your problem was your heart attack. 
but your promise was all the lives that were going to be changed by the paramedic you backed. The dude's promise or problem was he didn't have enough money to cut his demo. I guarantee it was the last call of the night when he was supposed to be off in 10 minutes. I don't know this. And he was tired. And what he wanted to do was just not, just, just get her there and, and, and get her safe and let's go home. But instead he gave excellent care. He fought the fight. Because your problem and your promise are always yoked together. See, what you're doing, you may be here today and you may be on the, on, on the cusp of the biggest challenge you've ever faced in your life. And you can sit there and tell me how big Goliath is and how bad he is and how, how awful your life can be and how the choices that you make are going to have these eternal ramifications and what everybody else is going to think about your problem and the decision you make to solve it. Or you can lean into the fact that your problem and your promise are the same thing. The question is the answer and the answer is the question. Does this make any sense? Verse 28 said, His eldest brother heard that when he had spoke to the men and his anger was kindled against David. He said, why have you come down? And whom have you left in charge of those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and evil and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Now, his brother looked at him and, and basically tells him not only is he... Is he sticking his nose in where it doesn't belong? He tells him that he knows his heart and he makes fun of his current job. Notice he looks at him and says, uh, Who have you left your few sheep with? Because notice this anytime you get ready to do something for God, people are going to try to belittle you and what God is doing in and through your life. They'll try to they'll try to attack the context. They'll cry, try to attack your character. They will try to attack. He goes on, he says this, and David said, What have I done now? I love that. Can I be honest? Sometimes as a pastor, I feel like that. Like when we did the, the Rolling Rock, to, you know, I'm done with Corona. I'm moving on to Rolling Rock uh, one Easter during Corona. And we had like, we used the beer, play on beers, but we showed the tomb. So we felt like it was redemptive with Jesus. Man, I had pastors blast to me. And finally, when pastors call me now, before, literally some of them, before I answer the phone, I just think, what have I done now? What, what, have, I done to, what have I done to irritate somebody now? If you're really going to make the decisions and follow God that God really called you to do, as long as they're biblically based, you're going to have to be wise enough to understand that you're going to fall under sharp criticism by the people who should be your biggest cheerleaders. And a lot of it has to do with this. David said this, Was it not but a word? Did I not just... I mean, all I did was say something. And then he turned away from him towards another and he spoke in the same way and the people answered him again as before. See, here's the thing. Your decisions and your calling will always offend somebody. And they'll try to convince you that God isn't in your action only to cover their own, own inaction. Verse 31. I promise I'll move through this quick. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. Me and my big mouth. 
And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to fight against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. See, here's the thing. People are always going to try to talk you out of the decision you know is right in your heart, and they're going to give you really good reasons why you should do what they think you should do. He goes on and he says this. He said, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And there came a lion or a bear. And I took uh, to take a lamb from the flock. And I went after him. And I struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if it rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both bear, lions and bears. And this uncircumcised size Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God and David said the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the from the hand of this Philistine and Saul said to David go and may the Lord be with you here's the thing yesterday's problems are tomorrow's fuel See, what, what happens is this. What we want to do is have a problem and think our life is over. David found a problem and thought his life had just begun. David looked at him and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this guy? Who does this cat think he is? When are you going to look at, and, and when your life starts falling apart, when do you start going, who is this rascal think they're messing with? I'm a son or daughter of God. See, here's the weird thing, and I tripped my wife out with this. We're a little West Virginia. I married a woman who's also my sister. Not relationally, but spiritually. Because... I am a son of God and she is a daughter of God, which makes us brother and sister in Christ. Now, I am from Tennessee, not West Virginia, okay? So we're, I'm from Virginia, not West Virginia. So we are, we are um, not related biologically, thank the Master, but we are in the faith. So here's the thing. You are a son or daughter of God if you're a believer. So anybody who, who tries to work against you is actually trying to work against the very will and nature of God. But the problem is, is we don't look and go, who is this cat? And the problem that we have is a lot of times we don't remember the battles that God's already won for us. David shouldn't be able to kill a bear and a lion. He wears skinny jeans. I'm just saying, he's not like... He's not that guy. He's not a man of war from his birth. He's a shepherd. He's a musician. He's into his feelings and emotions. And... But the one thing that David has that people with muscles don't have is David had heart. And David had the heart of a warrior. And David had the heart to overcome his problems with faith and with the, with the, with the courage that only God can give. And I don't know what kind of battle you're in this morning, but here's the thing. It's time that you stopped running from your battle and you start fighting because your battle is your fuel for the future. But your problem is also tied to your promise. Pastor Tracy touched on this in Bloom. Part of the way that we fan our faith and grow is with worship. You can't win today's battle if you can't remember what God did yesterday. If you've got amnesia with God, you will never do anything in the future for Him. See, sometimes, I, I love that song, Miracles. Uh, you know, I got miracles, oh miracles. Because you can't forget what God has done because it's a fuel for your future. 
I, I hear people all the time go, you know, I lost my spouse. And I'm like, well, you know, I, 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 I'm not belittling this. I get that. But, but, you know, especially if you're a younger couple, I'm like, man, if you lost your spouse, if God brought you one, they can bring you another one. No, no, no. I don't mean that. But like, I mean, God brought the first one, right? I mean, Adam was in a garden by himself. It was impossible for him to procreate. But yet there's Eve. Because with God, what is impossible? Well, you know what? I lost a child. Man, I, can't, I don't even want to experience that. Can I get a witness from all my parents? Like, that's a pain. Somebody asked me, how long do you want to live? I said, one day less than my son. I won't live long enough to, kill, to bury a kid. But you know what? If you've lost a kid, adopt a new one. Well, yeah, but I'm 50 years old. Well, adopt a big one. I'm not, I'm not saying pay for them. Just adopt them. No, 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 no. Because somewhere there's a kid that lost their parent and needs a family. Can, can, can we just... Does this make sense? Like, like, they don't even have to be little. They can like have beards. And that's just the women. I'm just saying like, like what you lost... What you think you lost, God has already given you provision to have back. It just may not look like what you thought it was going to look like. But what promise of God ever looked like what you thought it would? But sometimes we're so busy holding on to the pain that we can't fight for the promise. Verse 39, Then Saul clothed David with his armor and put his helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped the sword over the armor. And then he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. And then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Here's the problem. You can't fight using somebody else's armor. You can't fight trying to sound like somebody else. You can't fight like trying to talk like somebody else. You can't even fight with somebody else's faith. Now their faith can spur your faith on, but that's not the only faith you can have. You have to wear what God equipped you to wear. You have to be who God called you to be. You have to fight the way that God called you to fight. Even well, Saul was a man of God. But here's the thing. David wasn't Saul. Our church can only have one pastor Adam. Truck for the love of God, it's all it can hold. <laughs> Two of me and we got a problem. But God needs you. He needs your rhythm and your voice and your cadence and your approach and your. Does this make sense? You need to fight the battle that God put in front of you the way that God is laying on your heart. And it may not even agree with people who love God. Does this make sense? Like, like, if I followed the script this morning, I preach on the crucifixion and we go on and you don't know any better. But I know. So this morning, we had to change the whole script because this is a fight I'm picking. Does this make sense? Somebody here is in a battle and I'm just walking up to you going, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Go punch him in the face. Deal with your problem. Because if problems that you don't deal with, deal with you. If David didn't show up, Goliath deals with Israel. You can't fight wearing somebody else's armor. You can only fight with what God's giving you. Your anointing, your faith, your calling, your experiences. You can only fight with that. So then David took his staff in his hand and he chose five st smooth stones from a brook and put them in a shepherd's pouch. And his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistines. Now I love this. Most people think that, that there was Goliath and Goliath had four brothers. I, I tend to agree with that. David goes to, I love this. It says David took his staff. David took what he was used to. 
David rolled being David. For a long time, especially when I was young in the ministry, I tried to be like everybody else. Um, I, I had a bunch of polyester blend suits, cuffs at the bottom. Some of y'all know. I had the slicked over hairdo, and I looked like every other pastor in my denomination. Then Rod Parsley came on the scene, and I got the Rod Parsley forward and up haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bought a purple suit. Oh, it was, it was slick. I was like a big Barney, but it was hot. For its time, for its time, it was, it was slick. And then one day I woke up and I went, what in the world am I doing? This is not who I am. I'm trying to sound like this guy and I'm trying to look like that guy and I'm trying to... And then I stopped caring. Not, not caring about people, but I stopped caring about what they thought. This is my fight. God gave me one life. I have to steward it well. I have to fight my battles. I have to, I have to overcome my hurdles. This is my life. This is my calling. This is my, this is my dream. And I can't let anybody else define it or tell me how to fight it. So then God began to show me who I really was. That's why, that's why like, if you go into leadership here, one of the first things we're going to talk to you about is your identity because you've got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are in Jesus. Because that keeps you from being threatened by other leaders around you. That keeps you from being threatened when other people... I can, I can cheer. I, I hope our, our every guest speaker and every ordination candidate, I hope they preach better than I do. For, for real. Because I'm not afraid of them. I'm called to be the lead pastor. One day that'll change. Somebody else will be in my job. It ain't today. I don't mind, I don't mind other men doing things around my house. Because I'm the husband. Now you ain't doing them alone. All, all men, amen. Uh, does this make sense? Um, so anyway, so so I love this. David David goes down the brook and gets four stones, five stones, and puts them in his bag. He's like, "Well, this one's for this one's for Goliath, and then I'm gonna kill his brothers." That's mean. I mean, that's my kind of dirty. I love a good sucker punch. Oh come on! So, some look look the only the only fair fight is the one I won. I will bite you, claw you, scratch you. I will hit you with rocks. That actually happened one time. I'm not going to tell the story, but it happened one time. Like, like here's the, at four foot eleven, I fought dirty. It's all I had. I jumped off a chair and like Superman punched somebody one time. Why? Because ninety eight pounds flies through the air easy, and it's gravity's the only hope I had. I popped him in the nose and I ran like a rabbit out of the woods. I was like, pow! Now I got the mess beat out of me the next day, but it was effective. One round one, lost round two. He beat you up. Yeah, but I broke his nose. Which is the harder thing? A six two dude beating up a four foot eleven guy or a four foot eleven guy breaking a six foot two dude's nose? Let's just let's weigh him out. Come on, hero. David looks and he says, look, not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to take your whole family out. Watch this. What, is it, what does that look like in your context? Not only am I breaking free financially, but I'm going to become the most benevolent person God's ever seen. 
Man, I lost my relationship, but not only is God going to rebuild it, but I'm going to have a bunch of kids. Not, you know what? And we're going to go in the ministry together. We're like going to, you know, not only are we going to, are we going to overcome, but we're going to do it like in trumps. Like, like it's one thing to win. I want to win by a couple hundred touchdowns. Like, let, let's put in like the cheerleaders and let them score on these rascals. Like, like if not only am I going to get through my problem, but I'm going to become, I don't know, more than an overcomer. So see, when you see your prom problem is not only be, being able to become victorious, but being able to become super victorious. Because David said, look, I'm about to go from a shepherd <laughs> to a prince. I'm about to marry the finest, richest woman in the kingdom, and he's going to give me a bunch of money. David was living in expectation. See, the problem is, is when you face a problem, you stop living in expectation. You fall into Eeyore syndrome. Well, maybe I just need to settle. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I just need to, maybe this is the best I can do. But the problem is we violate Jeremiah 29, 11. I've got plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to bless you and prosper you to give you hope in a future. If your situation seems hopeless, you're in the wrong situation. I know people that bet on the worst horse. There, there are people that if you were betters, you would bet on a three-legged horse at the Kentucky Derby. You spend time with the wrong people. You run from your problems. You tell me how great your problems are. Sometimes you just need to let stuff die. You're doing CPR on something that's, that should have already been. It smells bad. It looks bad. This is my, I've never gone to it. I've done hundreds of funerals. I've never walked in and started CPR. You imagine walking into the casket. But I'll be with you on just a minute. Let's just see. I just I think he can lit. You know the hardest thing for me to learn? I volunteer a little bit as a first responder. You know the hardest thing for me to learn was the first time somebody patted me on the back and said, let it go. We're doing, I'll tell you where we were in CPR in front of a person's whole family. One of the guys that, that was there was actually uh, my boss at the, at the fire department at the time. I was doing CPR on this old lady, and I, was just, and, and, and I just knew we could get her back, right? Because, I mean, I learned CPR like three days ago. I know what I'm doing. I mean, granted, only 20% of the people come back, but... It's me. Because I live in expectation. They brought in this piece of paper called a DNR, do not resuscitate. And they showed it to me. And I didn't stop. And I looked at the guy beside me, and the, the, the medic patted me and said, you need to stop. And I looked at the guy from my department and said, am I supposed to stop? And they said, yeah. And I looked at my fire chief and said, am I supposed to stop? And he said, yeah. And I went, stop. And he's like, take your hands off. It wasn't mean. Just i got to let her go. See, she'd made the decision that it was the end before I ever got there. See, sometimes people make decisions that we're not willing to accept, but their decisions tell you their will. Tells you where their heart's really at. And sometimes you've got to be willing just to let things die. It could be a relationship. It could be a habit. It could be friends. It could be, I don't know the context. Sometimes you just need to go, you know what, this is a Goliath in my life that I just, I'm done with. And I, if I've got to pull it out by the root, Bloom reference mint, then that's what I have to do. Yeah, but it's going to be painful. Man, every fight's painful. So he goes on and he says this. 
Verse 41, it says, and the, and the Philistines moved forward and came near David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistines looked and saw David, he disdained him. Love it. For he was but a youth and a ruddy and handsome in appearance. He was a music guy. Verse 43, And the Philistine said uh, to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines... I know, I got ready to preach the sticks part too. Don't, don't, don't get me going down there. Y'all about to mess me up. He said, You come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, You come with me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts and the God of the armies of Israel to whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down, I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword or a spear for the battle is the Lord and He will give you into my hand hands. Here's the thing. You, you, sometimes you need to talk, speak and edify yourself. You need to remember that this, it's not what you're equipped for. If you're in the battle, you're equipped to win it. If the fight came to you and God is your defender and protector, here's the thing, God's your defender and your protector, but sometimes you've got to go scrap. I came into my house one time. My neighbor, Shannon, I'm not going to tell you his last name, but I know it. I uh, came to the house and he, he popped me in the nose and blacked one of my eyes and I sat down to eat dinner. My shirt was ripped because mama called me from the back deck. That's back when kids played outside. I love my dad, but my dad is a motivator. I sat down and I'm... My dad looked at me and goes, what are you, a big sissy? What, you just let him whip you and you came home and ate dinner? What are you, I mean, did I raise you better than that? Are you a girl or are you like, and then he reached over and popped me about three times in the face. And I was like, oh no. And I hit the sliding glass door and down the back deck I went. I went to my buddy's house. He stayed with his grandparents. I knocked on his door. I said, is Shannon here? And his grandma said, yep. Yeah. Brings him to the door. I grabbed him with a shirt, drug him out and beat him in his front of his grandma. <laughs> True story. True story. And then I went home and I sat back down. Dad said, well, did you handle it? I said, yeah. He said, okay, I eat dinner. <laughs> Seemed awkward. <laughs> How do you see yourself at the end of the battle? Do you give up just because you got hurt? That was the lesson in all of that. It was not for me to go beat some random kid up because now you go to jail for that. I'd been like six years old in handcuffs, right? Like, here we go, the point of it is this. Are you going to stop just because you get hurt? Are you going to get stopped just because what you're getting ready to fight scares you? Or, or, or it seems more equipped than you are? Or it seems bet, like, like it's got the better end of the thing? Here's the thing. What God anoints, God will always put on top. If you seem under-equipped, it's only because God is setting you up for victory that only He can get glory from. Because here's the thing, if you can handle it, it's not all that impressive. Remember the six foot two beating up the four foot eleven? Not all that impressive. Like nobody went, wow, I didn't see that coming. But a four foot two, a four foot eleven dude breaking a six foot tall dude's nose. <laughs> I had dudes go, he beat the mess out of you. <laughs> that was slick. That was smart. The running part, particularly intelligent, popping him in the nose, but that was just like smart. Here's the thing. 
Do you see yourself as an overcomer? In the battle that you're facing, do you see yourself as victorious? Because if God is for you, See, the, the, the real question in that is the first, the first word, if. That's the decision point you have to make. If God is for you, who or what can be against you? Do you really believe? Like we believe that God is for humanity, but do you believe that God is for you? That God will fight on your behalf, that God will defend you, that God will give you ability and resource beyond what you naturally have. If that God is for you, who or what can be against you? When the Philistine, verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle. Stop running from your problems. Run towards it. Uh, battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine's forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on and his face fell on the ground. Here's the thing. God wants your enemy to face plant right in front of you. I love the proximity. Last week I preached on proximity. I love the proximity in which Goliath fell right in front of him. Matter of fact, if you go to verse 50, it says, And David prevailed over the Philistines with, with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and he killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. But then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword, drew it out of the sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead. Now here's the thing. Did David kill him with the stone? More than likely. Because the Bible said he threw it and he, he died. But there's dead and there's... First responders call it DRT. Dead right there. Like some people, you just walk up and they dead right there. Like we don't have to guess at it. Like there are three parts of them. They dead right there. there there's nothing. We don't have enough band-aids in the rig to fix that. There's the thing. You hit him in the head and from a, from a battle line, you may not know that he's de dead right there. I promise you this. Can you see David? Now everybody's shocked because he fell on the ground, but everybody's expecting Goliath to get up and prevail. And David, now imagine... Big man's sword, think Shaq, drags the sword out, hernias it up on his shoulder. That wasn't a quick process. Then he heaves it up in the air, and as it comes down, it's heavy enough to slice not only through the ligament of the neck, but through the spinal cord. Uh. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine. He took his sword and he drew out it out of the sheath and he killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. David never got to use the rest of his stones. See, what David thought, he was underprepared for the battle. He was actually overprepared for the battle. See, you thought this morning when you came in that your battle was bigger than you are, but your battle is actually just the key to your promise. You're overprepared for what you've got to face. Verse 52, and then the men of the Israelite and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines. Men that were full of fear found faith because one man had the courage to turn his problem into a promise. Your life will have impact when you stop running from your problems. I love the end of this. Verse 53. And the people of Israel came back chase, from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. 
So here's the thing. God doesn't want you just to win. He wants you to take back everything the enemy ever stole from you and more. See, some people just want restitution. God wants restitution plus. Like, oh, you stole a dollar from me. You owe me a dollar plus interest. Does this make any sense? So, so here's my question to you today. As we, as we get ready to close, and, and I'm sorry today's service was, I'm not really. I'm not really sorry at all. I feel like this is a word from the Lord for somebody, right? Like, it, it just is what it is. Uh, we've never been exactly in a one-hour church, so, yeah. Anyway, it's free. I don't know what you came in facing today. Man, maybe you're fighting for the salvation of a kid. Maybe you're, maybe you're fighting financial. Maybe you're fighting relational. Maybe you're fighting, I don't know what you're fighting. Maybe you're fighting your career. Maybe you're fighting, maybe you're fighting family. How do you overcome? First thing, you need a word from the Lord. You need to know what God says about your situation. Not what somebody told you God said about your situation. Because what people tell you can be out of context. So once you know what the Lord says, then you got to know what's the Lord telling me to do with what He said. And then once you know what that is, stop asking questions. Run to the battle. I'm one of the most long-suffering people you'll ever meet. Like Liz, Pastor Tracy will tell you, I don't give up on people. But when the Lord releases somebody out of my life, I can go from talking to you every day to never talking to you again. Why? Because the Lord told me to let you go. And if the Lord tells me to let go, that's a fight I'm done with. I'll fight, I'll fight for you and with you. But when I'm done, I'm released. Why? Because I know what the Lord said. How can you do that? Well, I don't do it often. But when it's time, it's time. You got to know when to stop. You got to know when to fight. And the thing you've been thinking about all through this service is probably the thing the Lord's trying to deal with you about. You know it. God knows it. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Did this help anybody? Get a word from the Lord. Figure out what He wants you to do with that word. And then don't stop till it happens. And expect to marry the king's daughter. Expect the riches of a kingdom. Expect God to do exceedingly abundantly above everything you could ask, think, or believe. So you know how I overcome that? I dream big. I think big. I expect big. Why? Because I want God to exceed every expectation I ever have of Him. Yeah, but it's been six years and ain't nothing happened. Well, I guess it's going to take seven. I don't get tired in a fight. Most, most boxing matches are more than one round. There are more than two rounds. Some fights go the distance. Some fights you only win by... God help somebody. Some fights you only win by a decision. Stop. You, you'll catch that tomorrow morning. You'll be in the shower washing your hair and you'll be like, oh, it's my decision that I win. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around.
you're here this morning, first of all, man, I just I want to pray first of all with those that are in a fight and you're already a believer. If you say, you know what, I'm a believer and I am in the fight of my life. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want you just to put a hand towards heaven. I want to pray over you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, for every hand that's going up, God, for every hand that should go up, but courage is something we're fighting for. Father, will you fan the gift of God that's inside of them? God, will you let their confidence be stirred? Father, not their confidence in themselves, but their confidence in you. Father, will you begin to stir the gift of God that you put inside of them? God, will you get let them know that, that they will not lose anything, but Father, they will only gain. God, that they will not be defeated. They are more than overcomers. God, that provision is on the wind. God, it is something you're blowing in from the north, south, east, and west into their life. God, that new days, that your mercies are new, that your visions are new. God, that you've got plans for them, plans to bless them, prosper them, give them a hope and a future. God, their, their situation doesn't end with their problem. It's just the beginning of their promise. Father, give them the courage to receive it. In Jesus' name. Every head's still bowed. If you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, you're watching online and you're like, man, I'm far away from God. I need the love that only a Savior can bring. If that's you, Right now in this moment, we just we just raise your hand and go, Pastor, today's a day where I commit my life to Jesus. Maybe for the first time. Can we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me right with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.